On this episode, you will learn what your first employee means to your retirement plan, specifically what it means for your 401k plan. So we'll go into what is a solo 401k, when you need to shut down your solo 401k, like meaning which employee will force you to end the solo 401k. And lastly, what tax savings are available when you launch a 401k plan for your team, for your employees. As always, if this episode helps you or brings you value, please do me a favor, share with a friend. Thank you and enjoy the show. Welcome to Build Your Wealth Muscle, a podcast dedicated to helping fitness entrepreneurs build wealth by saving taxes and growing their money. Each episode will break down different strategies in the areas of business, tax, and retirement planning specifically for your coaching business. Disclaimer, the topics covered in this podcast are for educational purposes only. This is not advice for your specific situation. Please consult a qualified financial or tax professional before making any changes to your financial or tax situation. Now here's your host, certified financial planner and tax advisor, Pat Darby. Hey, what's up, everybody? Hope your week's going great. And thank you for tuning in for episode 87. So if you are new to joining us, welcome. Uh, There are two show formats. Uh, Like today's episode, it's a solo episode where we can dive pretty deep into specific areas of finance, tax, cash flow planning, profit optimization for your business. And the, the goal is to be able to go deep enough to give you actual tactics. The other type of episode where we bring on guests and uh, this year, I'm trying to do the the guest interviews in person. I'm trying to build out my studio a little bit on uh, in Vegas here, so they they will bring in people that either colleagues of yours, they have very successful businesses or things they've overcome that maybe you can learn from, or they support your industry of like an online business owner the same way I do, um, but maybe from a different angle. They might also have tax expertise, had some tax experts on recently. Um, they might be marketing, sales, um, th- those sorts of things, legal. Um, so today's episode is what to do f- when you hire your first person from a retirement perspective. Now, obviously, there's going to be a ton of things that you need to understand when you're hiring your first person. But this is really through the lens of what your financial advisor or any sort of person who's working with you from a retirement perspective. Now, we're not going to talk about investments. We're going to be talking about retirement vehicles. That's a very important distinction. Again, with a retirement vehicle, whether it's a traditional IRA, a Roth IRA, a 401k, those are just vehicles. The same thing like a like a car or SUV. What you put in the trunk of your SUV is on you. Same thing with a retirement account. Like if we're going to talk about 401k, which is basically the topic today, what you make that investment is completely up to you. Now, you can do self-directing. I'm going to... Let me talk about that first because let's talk about the elephant in the room where... And if you want to get into self-directing, I believe I talked about it. Episode 31 and episode 32. So those aired last May of 2022. But go back and listen to those if you want more detail. But let me, for those who've never heard of self directing or you might have a stigma about it, it's not your fault. In fact, the financial industry, Wall Street, has a lot of negative things to say about self directing 
for the main reason is that they don't have they don't want you to have that option. And here's the reason why it would be like Taco Bell going around saying you can't eat hamburgers. Well, because they don't sell it and flipping the script, it would be like McDonald's going around saying you can't eat tacos. And it's not because you can't. It's because they don't have it. So the same way if you walked into McDonald's and said, hey, I want to order some tacos, they'd say you can't have that. That's what happens when you go to your for the majority of people go to their large financial institution and say, Hey, I want, like I have my 401k with you guys or my retirement account with you guys. I want to buy real estate. The major firms that major financial firms, not going to say their names. They're going to say, you can't do that. They don't mean, well, regardless of what the person you're talking to means the way the rules are, you can, you most likely in that scenario, you can't do it there. And there's two reasons they don't want to do that. One, because from a compliance perspective, it might be very cost prohibitive for them to allow you to do that. But more often than not, it's it's for selfish reasons. They don't want you to do that because if you have a million dollars with them and now you want to go buy a commercial property in your solo 401k, well, you're likely going to be pulling a million dollars out of their assets under management and moving it into a scenario where you can... Uh, direct it yourself, send it over, you know, whatever the case may be, but they would lose a million dollars for them to do that. So just be aware there's a difference between what you're going to hear from your financial institution versus what the rules are. So I want to make that that clear as we talk about this today, because you might have these retirement accounts and you're running your business. Now let's start from the beginning. Most people, you're running your business. Maybe it's just you, whatever the case may be. Maybe you have nobody helping you, it's 100% you. Now you start to get to the point where you bring on a team. Those, the way you pay them could really be two ways. There could be a vendor for you, which is a 1099 contractor, or they could be a W-2 employee. And if they're a W-2 employee, that means you're putting them on payroll. Now, the rules change, and that's what we're going to talk about today. But I want to make sure we thoroughly cover what it's like from a retirement plan perspective when you have a um, when you have just yourself in your business, or everyone's a 1099 contractor. So now, if everyone in your business, like you, doesn't matter if you have a hundred people on your team, if they're all legitimately 1099 contractors, then you can do solo 401ks because you don't have any employees. That's a very important distinction because if there's there's no such thing as a 1099 employee. Like it's it's conflating two terms. Now they might feel like your employee, like they're a member of your team, but if you're not paying them through payroll, then life is simple for you when it comes to your retirement plan. Again, there's other things you might have to worry about with them, but from a retirement planning perspective, if it's just if it's just 1099 contractors, then you are eligible for sole a solo 401k. Now I want to go into the basics because the main purpose of today, I don't want, I'm not going to go super deep in terms of detail because it's a lot. Retirement planning, like, is its own niche, its own expertise for financial professionals because there's so many rules and the rules just changed twice within the last three years. Secure Act 1.0 was, I think, in 2019, if I'm not mistaken. And then the end of 2022, Secure 2.0. So if you are not keeping up with these, as a business owner, because it's unrealistic that you keep up with everything. But 
the rules changed twice in the last couple of years. So if you blinked, your the rules you thought existed are likely outdated. But for 2023, as we're, as we're recording this, if you have those 1099 contractors, you're eligible for the solo 401k, which in this year has a limit of $66,000, which is broken into basically two categories. There's really three, but I'm going to just explain the two. Because again, I don't want you to be an expert in this. I want you to just understand what questions to ask the a retirement planning specialist or your tax advisor or your financial advisor. And if you're working with a financial advisor, I highly recommend you get one that's that has a specialty in small business owners because this is what's going to be critical for you. And they're going to they're going to know them better than someone who maybe works with retirees or employees of Fortune 500 companies, things like that. Executives, things like that. So that that's broken down into two essentially two categories. There's, there's really three, but I want to make it simple. Is that the employee side, which is your side as the owner of the business, you're the employee as well. You can put in twenty two thousand five hundred on the employee side. Then on the employer side, you can put in the the balance of that sixty six thousand, which is the forty three five hundred. Now that's a confusing distinction because you can also take advantage of what's called an after-tax voluntary employee contribution. That's what you might have heard like a mega backdoor Roth. That's what they're referring to. So it's it's kind of, it's again being pushed in by the employee side, not the employer side. So that might sound confusing, but this episode is not to make you an expert in solo 401ks. It's to emphasize if you're working by yourself and you have this solo 401k plan in place, you need to know when you are out of compliance with that plan. And when you become out of compliance or when you need to start paying attention to your compliance of these plans is when you hire your first employee. So that's the scenario. 2023, you put your first employee on the books. They are officially on payroll. They're a W-2 employee for you. So what do you need to know? First, you need to know which bucket they sit in. If they sit in a, are they a full-time employee or are they a part-time employee? And that's defined. A full-time employee works for you more than a thousand hours a year, or that breaks down to essentially like a 20-hour week employee. That's considered full-time. Now, if they're part-time, they work for you Essentially, between five more than five hundred hours and obviously less than a thousand, because then they would trigger the full time. So, a part time employee for the purposes of retirement planning is more than five hundred hours and obviously less than a thousand. So, if they are your full time employee, you have to include them in your four hundred one k plan at one year. So, if you hired them today, today is. The middle of June. So today's June 19th as I'm recording this. If you hire them today, the rest of 2023, even if they're full-time, even if they're working 40 hours a week, the rest of 2023, you're good. You can keep doing your solo. Next year, you have to get out of that solo plan because they will hit their one-year mark with you in 2024, which makes you ineligible as the business owner for solo 401k in 2024. So that's just that's the thing you just have to be aware of. That if you just hired your first full-time employee and you're maxing yours out and you're not willing to do certain things to max theirs out, then 2023 is your last year to, to max it all out. 
Now, if you hired a part-time employee, so they're only working for you, let's say five, let's just keep the math simple. They're, they're working 500 hours a, week, a year for you. So basically um, 10 hours or so a week. Then they are eligible. This is going to get confusing. They are eligible after two years. Now, the reason I say this is confusing because I want you to remember the two-year mark because it'll prompt you to start asking people because in your head, you're going to be like, all right, I only have two years. And I'd rather you go reach out to someone like myself and say, it's been two years. What do I got to do? And then someone can give you the good news that, oh, that two-year rule doesn't actually trigger until 2025. But right now, you're living under the rule from Secure Secure Act 1.0, which gives you three years. Before Secure Act 1.0, if you had a part-time employee, you could never include them in the plan. But now, again, it's it's currently three years until 2025. But just remember two, only because it's going, it's going to be there in a year and a half. And you will avoid thinking three when it's really two when it flips over. So basically, long story short, if you hired someone this year in 2023 and they're working part-time for you, you don't have to include them in the plan until 2025 because that'll be their second year. So the other thing to be aware of before we start talking about the options are, this is if it's the same person. If you have turnover in your business, then maybe you never have to worry about this. So even if you have full-time people and they don't laugh or what, I don't know, for whatever reason, they don't last a year, maybe you have an internship program that turns over every six months, um, whatever the case may be. Or maybe they just get to almost a year mark and then they turn over. Uh, or same thing with your part-time people. Maybe they're, there's high turnover. And so if they're never hitting their one-year mark for the full-time people and their two-year mark for the part-time people, then they don't have to be included in the plan. So that's something to consider as well. If, you, if your business has a lot of people that you train up, they you know for whatever reason, maybe, maybe your business, this position is like a starter position. And so people quote unquote, graduate on, then you can stay in the solo world indefinitely if that's your situation. But for most people that are building a team, they're trying to have them last a long time because obviously it increases the simplicity of not having to train and hire and train and hire. And also if you're ever looking to increase the value of your business to ultimately have someone purchase it from you, a revolving door of employees would not be as valuable as people who stick around and and that's also why we're talking about retirement planning in general is because when you want your ability to attract talent to be um, competitive with the, your competitors, retirement plans, benefits, things like that are what employees want. They want the benefits. They want the retirement plan. They want all the things that you know most people want when they worry about what they're going to give up if they become an entrepreneur. So this is how you can provide it to other people. So all right. You're in this boat now. Doesn't matter if they're full time or part time. You just found out, like, all right, I have to abandon my solo 401k. What do I do? For most people, they're going to ask their retirement specialist or their tax advisor, what should I do? And they're going to hear from most people a safe harbor 401k. The reason for that is, and again, I don't want to give you boring details that you're trying to try to remember. I just want to give you what. What conversations to bring up with the experts that support you? If you have a so, let me back up. The IRS or Congress, whoever whoever we want to call it, 
protects employees. The rule is called ERISA, E-R-I-S-A. And it basically protects businesses or employees from business owners who, would, if left to their own devices, might uh, only compensate all their friends and their top paid people. And they would discriminate against all the, the underlings, for lack of a better term. So there's protections in place. So 401k plans have to go through a testing process to make sure they're not leaving out the, the technical term is non-highly compensated employees. But for our simplicity, it's like, so you don't leave out the little guy and just make sure all your friends are, are paid. Like they have discrimination rules in place. That these are just people. This just is not, you know, the woke bullshit of 2023 where everything is discrimination. But these testings are not about race. They're just about the compensation levels and the percentages of money that people are putting into the plan. So in order to avoid going through all that time intensive and potentially cost prohibitive testing for your plan, you can get a safe harbor plan, which basically means they'll give you the rules. You buy by those rules and then you don't have to deal with the, the testing requirements and things like that. So to offer a safe harbor plan, it's not free. So that's why you, you might have to start thinking like maybe you have to not do a plan at all if you can't afford it. But you have to pick which one you want to do if you have a safe harbor plan because you have two choices. You can give 3% or 4% to your employees. So the way this breaks down is if, if they participate in the plan, you have to match 4% of their salary. So if, if they match up to the 4%, then you have to match up to 4%. If they're putting in 10%, you have to put in 4 if that makes sense. So you're matching 4%. Or the, there's a 3% number if they're not participating. And that way, you're saying, I don't care if they participate or not. I'm going to pay 3% of their salary, and you're obligated to put it in. Again, for el anyone who's eligible, that was what I was talking about before with the, the full-time and the part-time. And all these plan providers are going to help you with this. So that's what I'm saying. You don't have to memorize this, but you just have to know, hey, I have people on payroll, and I have a 401k for myself. I better make sure I'm still compliant. So you just have to decide if, you, if it's better for you to pay 3% for everybody who's eligible or 4% for everybody who's participating. One cool fact, I don't know if it's cool or not, but I think it's interesting. This year is the new year where if you have younger employees, and I would imagine the people listening to me, they do have younger employees based on the age demographics of my listeners. But what's cool from this year is like you might have people who go, hey, like I want to do like a 401k. I want to participate in a 401k and get the match because you might have taken the 4%. So everyone's you know putting in 10% of their salary. And you're matching 4%. And then this guy over here is saying, well, I have a lot of student loans. So I, I need to prioritize getting these student loans taken care of more than funding my retirement account because maybe the interest is drowning them. Obviously, we have a lot of student debt out there right now, which the government should not pay for. So if you have good employees that are like, hey, I'm diligently paying off my uh, loans, my student loans, starting now, you can have... The with the Secure Act, starting with the Secure Act 2.0, their contributions or their repayment to their student loans can count towards what you're doing with everyone else on the matching side. So it's pretty cool now that they are eligible to let you put money into their 401k while they're taking care of their student loan problem, which I think that's cool because 
when we hear people saying like, oh, like the government should pay them back. No, that's bullshit. But like anything, I like seeing small businesses have motivation to help people out. Say, hey, take care of your student loans. We're going to treat you like everyone else and match into your 401k. So now you're you're still being accountable, but you're getting help from the private sector. Again, not the government. This, the person, employee who's getting value from you, you can repay them and say, hey, those loan contributions count towards my, four, my 401k plan. So most likely, you're going to want to talk to your retirement specialist tax advisor, and they're going to walk you down the road of the safe harbor plan because that's going to be easier for most people. And that allows you as a business owner to maximize a lot of the contributions on your end. Because that's the ultimate goal for a lot of people listening is if you are maxing all yours out, you switch over to the employee world, a lot of times you lose out. So the last the last thing that is something I want to touch on with you guys is with this Secure 2.0, Congress, again, they if they are doing their job, they motivate business owners to do the right thing. And typically, they do that by saying you can pay less taxes. And that gets business owners to help the economy. And in this scenario, so like famous examples like real estate investors get really good tax benefits. You business owners get really good tax benefits. Obviously, the people who are in the business of real estate can combine the two. But we're, they're trying to get people to pay for their own retirement. Like the, the days of pension plans are going away because people are living longer. And not necessarily they're in retirement almost as long as they were working for some people. You know, you could work for 40 years and be in retirement for 40 years. You know, if you're going to live to 100, that's not unreasonable. Someone to start working at 20, retire at or 60 or 65, and then live to 95 or 105, you know, whatever. So the math doesn't work for those pension plans. So they're getting away from that. So now we're saying to everyone, Build your own retirement. And part of that, they're putting it on the business owner to say, hey, help these people start doing retirement plans. So they've given us a bunch of tax credits to go and build these plans because they want the, they want the plan set up. Because again, if you switch over to these, these safe harbor plans, they're not free, but you're going to get a startup tax credit. And that is $250 per non-highly compensated employee. And then you're also going to get... Again, I don't want you to memorize these. I just want you to like keep in your head if you have like a hand, like if you got two employees right now, that's $500 tax credit. And again, credits are better than deductions because it's dollar for dollar deduction on what you owe. So I shouldn't use the same terminology. It's a dollar for dollar re- reduction in what you owe in taxes. So if your business owes, it's you're going to have a pass through entity, but if your business generates enough profit that you personally have a tax liability of $50,000 and you start taking advantage of all these credits, let's say the, the tax credits come to $8,000 in tax credits. Your tax liability goes from $50,000 to $42,000 because they're credits. They're way better than deductions. Deductions are just a discount. So if you have a $10,000 tax deduction, that just takes your taxable profit down $10,000. So and that's for most people... Let's say they're they are in the all in at a forty percent tax bracket. It just gives them a forty percent discount on that ten grand. So tax credits are what you should be much more excited about hearing about than tax deductions. Out of the two, obviously, tax take a tax deduction over nothing. But well, assuming you're it's for 
an expense that you actually need or it's, it's going to generate ROI in your business. Again, I'm not a big fan of people buying, like I wouldn't recommend someone go out and buy $10,000 worth of laptops that they don't need in their business just to get the, the, the bonus depreciation if that's what their plan was. So the last one, excuse me, the last one is an auto enrollment $500 credit. Basically what this means is if when typically when 401k plans exist, employees are given the option say, Hey, Darby Inc. is starting a business. Well, I should just use my real like Sin City CFO is hiring and we are starting a 401k plan. Do you guys want to participate? And they would you'd go around and someone would say, Yeah, I'm gonna participate. Okay, here's this paperwork. And this person's like, Yeah, I want to participate. Okay, here's the paperwork. So let's say hypothetically you give everyone the paperwork. We all know those people who are gonna forget, not hand it back, be like, ah, oh, it's a pain in the butt. And you go from having everybody interested in the plan to two people enrolling. And so that is a problem for you, the business owner, because again, you want people participating. If for you to get the most out of it for yourself, you want people to participate. And two, you want, I'm sure if you're listening, like you actually care about your people, you want them to participate. You want them the day they leave your business or you sell your business and someone else is in charge. You want them to have the financial freedom and the financial flexibility that hopefully your business is providing for you. So what the IRS is doing is, or Congress is allowing us to auto enroll them. Meaning Sin City CFO, we're launching a 401k plan. Hey, everybody interested? Yes. Cool. You're in. If you're not interested, you have to go out of your way to opt out. Like you don't have it's not forcing people into the plan, but they're automatically enrolled. So you basically on day 1, you're all in. If you don't want to be in the plan, then here's the paperwork, get yourself out of the plan. Again, some people maybe can't afford to be in the plan at all. But we're getting a $500 we the business owners are getting $500 tax credit just for doing setting up an auto enrollment system. So they don't have to jump through hoops to get in. They got to jump through hoops to get out. So I think that's pretty cool because I think as a business owner, like no, I shouldn't say as a business owner, as a financial planner, I can't tell you how often people think one of their most boring investments were their best investments. And a lot of times, the only ingredient was being forced. And I'll give you I'll give you three examples of things that people love. They they'll brag about the investment value of their primary residence. They will brag about the investment returns of their first 401k that they had out of college and in those scenarios often they left the company and forgot all about it or they were just chugging along. They didn't really know the login. Every month, it got pulled from their paycheck. In the example with their primary residence, they had no choice but to make the payments because they would have had their home foreclosed upon. And lastly, you hear that with permanent life insurance policies where they had no choice. You have to keep up with the premiums for a certain period of time or the policy will disappear. So often people turn around and 30, 20, 30 years down the road, they'll say, this is my best investment. And often the scenarios were you didn't mess with it when times were tough because you don't just sell your house when 
you're scared of the what's happening on in the real estate markets, but you have to keep paying your your mortgage. Often in your 401k plan, you don't know how to bob and weave in and out of investments, so you just stay the course when things are scary, and you don't have an option with permanent policies for a certain period of time. You have to pay, otherwise the plan could collapse on you. And so often people through luck, oh, I shouldn't say luck, but through ignoring the volatility, they end up with something that is really valuable. And the often the main component is just they were forced to keep going. So I like this auto enrollment a lot because it forces people, your staff, to get involved and get in the habit. Like I tell my clients, even if you're in debt, that's one of the things I loved about the book Profit First. Even if you're in debt, you should start putting money away for your rainy day fund for investments. Again, it's it could be like let's say you have $30,000 of credit card debt. If you started putting away like $5 a month or $5 a week, whatever it was, every time you you run the books in your business and you put five $5 away towards retirement, towards whatever. It's the habit you're building. The same thing for those that listen that are in the fitness space. If you have someone who's super overweight, never exercises, never eats healthy, you're probably not going to crush them in the gym and make all these drastic changes because more importantly, you're trying to like change their habits. So this whole auto-enrollment to me is that opportunity to help your employees get a good habit. And then obviously they can opt out, but you can help them on in a small scale get the habit because I think from a financial literacy standpoint, it's the habit. Again, you, you buy a house, you have no choice but get in the habit of making your monthly payment or you lose the house. Same thing with you you can set that up for your employees with the 401k. Um, obviously, it's not the same obligation. They can, if, if times get tough, they can stop making contributions, but um, you, you get the idea. So just as a recap, again, I didn't want this to be an episode where you're like, hey, let me become an expert in 401ks. I want the key takeaway to be if you have no employees, if you have only 1099 contractors, you're good to get a solo 401k plan, a SEP IRA, all those. I guess I like solo 401ks the most for a lot of reasons. But um, and actually, if you want to get into that more, episode 50, I discuss SEP IRAs versus 401ks. But just be aware, once you get someone on payroll that's not yourself or a spouse, then you need to start talking to someone saying, all right, what does this mean for my solo 401k and when? And so that's the main takeaway. When you, If you have these retirement plans, once you put someone on payroll, bring somebody in to ask these questions because they might say, oh, they work five hours a week for you. You don't have to care. You don't have to care ever. They work less than 500 hours. Or they're like, oh, they're 750 hours. So, all right, here's the, the year that you're going to switch to a, a safe harbor. They're full-time. Okay. Next year we do that. So you, you start building the plan and it's just as simple as letting someone know. And this is why I get frustrated often when you have someone like a financial advisor working for you that doesn't work with small businesses. They could set you up on a solo 401k and they never worry about your business. They never talk to you about what's going on in the business. And then next thing you know, you hired somebody, never told them, they never asked. And all of a sudden you are maxing out your solo 401k and you have a full-time employee and it's maybe it's been a couple of years, that is a major ERISA violation. And you could end up with penalties of like 
paying back contributions that were meant for them, which could be extremely expensive. You're maxing yours out and not taking care of them. You could end up paying, having to owe back what you should have paid for them if that plan was in place, plus interest and penalties for being delinquent on it. So that's just, once you just think the main takeaway, you hire someone, you got a 401k plan, talk to your tax advisor, talk to your financial advisor and just say, hey, do we got to bring in an, an expert here? And when? So that's everything, guys. I hope you have a great week. And as always, if you have questions, DM me at the Pat Darby. Um, I like talking about this stuff. So happy to help. Or if you want to jump on a free consultation, the link is in my bio, in my Instagram. Or you can also email me at info at darbyba.com. All right, guys. Till next time. Have a great week. Thank you for joining us this week on Build Your Wealth Muscle. The links mentioned in this episode are available in the show notes. For video clips and more information on tax and retirement strategies for fitness entrepreneurs, please follow my Instagram at the Pat Darby. If you found value in this episode, please do us a favor and share with a friend. If you tag me, that'd be appreciated also. Lastly, for help implementing any of the topics discussed, please book a call. The link is also in the show notes. Thank you again for listening and have a great day.